everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Part-Time Tech Podcast, where we talk about all things part-time, flexible, and non-traditional work in the tech industry. Uh, I'm your host, Ernie Park, and today our guest is Rafael Usan, the founder and CEO of a hot startup called A-Team. Thanks for joining us today, Rafael. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Great. So why don't we just jump right in? Tell me a little bit about your background um, and how you came to found A-Team and sort of that origin story. Sure. You know, I grew up in France and in the, in the Champagne region, so very much not the tech hub of yeah. the world. <laughs> um, but one day my life changed when I discovered that there were books that you could buy that could teach you programming. And that was kind of the turning point. And maybe the reason why I'm here today, in fact, mm -hmm. because what it showed me is that we all have the ability to build things. I think every kid wants to build things. Most of the time, it's not very practical to do when you don't have many, you know, much resources. But coding and computers gives you the opportunity to actually do something about it, even with very little means. And that started that journey, particularly as that was overlapping with the internet, kind of the first version of the internet, really, starting to pick up big time. And every small business owner, like everyone was looking for ways to be online, build website, build software. So I started essentially freelancing when I was 10, 11 years old, up to the moment that I realized that, yeah, I love to build things. And there's particular things I want to be building, but there's no way I can do it alone. It was at a time that, uh, you know, being a nerd was not really cool. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I knew that out there, there were people that cared about this stuff. Because we're not working in the cloud just yet, I realized I had to move. I tried to move to the U.S. and ended up moving to Israel. And that's how I got plugged into a larger ecosystem of other people who cared about building things using technology. And long story short, I ended up doing a lot of that throughout my life and realized that um, this was exactly, you know, there was that military experience I had in Israel in particular where I realized the power of, you know, you may be 18 years old and not know much about anything, but if you're paired up with the right people that care about the things you're trying to solve, there's very little that you can't do. Mm -hmm. So with, with that experience in mind, I knew that, that what I wanted to do in life, which is to be able to choose what I work on and to work with people that I want to work with and to have the autonomy to make those decisions. For me at the time, the only translation of that desire was essentially to build a startup. So I did that, you know, the whole VC back thing and, and all of that. And that's great. We sold the company. Then after this, I realized that that desire is something that we all share. Like in some way, all of us want to work towards professional freedom to be able to do things that we find fulfilling and realize that, um, that the, the, this category of people, of the, the highly skilled professionals in tech, what we call the product builders, can have a tremendous impact on the world if they just are able and enabled to escape rigid structures to be able to team up with their favorite people to do the best work of their career. Now, there's been a lot done in online work in terms of enabling people to explore different ways of working. But in many ways, you know, when you look at them, you know, they're great and really precipitate a lot of transformation, but they're somewhat capped at simple tasks, like gigs and tasks and like those type of things from the mm -hmm. Uber of the world all the way to like Upwork and Fiverr. And so not places that you really go to for self-actualization, right? But what if you could, right? What would that look like? What if you could build a platform for the people who would never join platforms? And with that, we started A-Team and realized that the way to really drive value so that it would be worth our time, right, would be to solve the types of problems that require multidisciplinary teams to solve. 
And that's where we started introducing and thinking, you know, what if we were to build the way to establish, to assemble high-performing teams online, help manage them and scale them organically. And that was the beginning of a team. We were in stealth for two and a half years trying to figure this out because there's a lot of science and technology for a lot of things around the things that we do, but not so much about teams. There is, of course, the Moneyball type stuff for sports, but not so much for tech teams. Mm-hmm. And we, we started this journey by establishing, by first of all, working with the people who built the former version of online work, the Upwork that I mentioned, and Fiverr, the founders, Zero, et cetera, bringing together people that have been thinking about this stuff for a very long time, but also the academics that have studied teams. And we started building up this network, this curated network that is somewhat hard to get into, where each member is connected through a team graph that captures who works well with whom on what, and building the first team engine, the first team formation platform enabling company to forms what we call cloud-based teams mm-hmm. that are flexible, high intent, high performing teams that can be managed the way you would manage cloud-based servers, right? But essentially providing the ability for the most highly skilled across product management, design, engineering, data science, et cetera, to break free from typical structures, to be able to team up with people they want to work with, to do the best work of their career with uh, great people with autonomy, with flexibility, and the support of a curated community of like-minded peers. And that value proposition was immediately very attractive, turns out, to a lot of some of the most equipped, the most uh, experienced product builders, leaving tech giants and startups to apply to the network and try to get into the A-Team network. And that's how the journey started. Yeah, that's great. I think kind of the team ethos really does resonate with me. You know, I've kind of been on both extremes where I've worked at big tech companies like HubSpot, and Brex, and then I'm now I'm kind of doing things solo, which is great, and you know have all their trade offs. But I have personally like dreamt of, of like message past coworkers who I like really do well with. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if we just kind of like all work together again, right? In, hmm. in sort of like a different setting. And I'm sure you've you've seen a lot of that too. So yeah, I, I mean, that, also that it's lonely, right? Yeah, it, it, it makes sense <laughs> to go at it alone, I and mean, it really makes sense to 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 think of ourselves as business of one and, and all that it really makes sense. Like independence is, is, is very valuable flexibility, being able to make your own decisions, but it's also limiting in some way. So what if you could bring together the, the best out of being independent and have professional freedom mm-hmm. with the best out of being with other people to, to collaborate, to help challenge you, to help provide so- social support to you. And when you think about teams and the experience of teams, in a way, you experience the team that you're part of much more than you even experience the company you're part of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's becoming definitely. even more true in a remote setting, but I think it's true anyway. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people tend to stay at a company, not because of the company, but because their team or they really like, you know, have certain bonds that are the closest to them. Uh, so that makes a ton of sense. So I guess just kind of dumbing it down a little, like what, what does the platform actually look like today? I know you guys have like various different products, you know, who uses a team? What does it look like? You know, I go to the website right now and I want to sign up whether as an employer or talent, like how can we use a team right now? So we have hundreds of companies that are working with a team right now that have been assembling one or many more a teams that are either supercharging. So expanding on the existing teams that are working on particular products or initiatives, or that are spinning up new a teams. And in general, it's integrated. That's what we recommend as well, integrated into the existing workforce, into the way the companies work, Slack, Jira, whatever, like the whole thing. It's not, A-teams don't like to be isolated Mm -hmm. because the learning and the iterative process of product building is very much something that a muscle you want to grow within the, in the fabric of the company in a way that has to be connected and embedded. 
So you've got companies from the stage of incubation that includes a bunch of companies. You know, maybe one that's, that's pretty fun to look at these days is a company called Post that uh, Noam Bardin founded, the former CEO of Waze. He was one of our early customers. He iterated through a bunch of versions until he got to that Twitter competitor at the time that everybody kind of wanted it, which is great. But all the way to like Fortune 100 companies that actually kind of realize, so like what we don't, the type of things that we don't do is the big like consulting stuff, like the big like cloud migration and like those like very lengthy like digital transformation mm -hmm. projects. What we do, however, is we enable companies to realize, hey, you know, what if you could build like a tech unicorn? What would you do? How would you leverage your assets, your data distribution, your brand, et cetera, to be able to get better customer experiences, get in the hands of your customers better, create new revenue streams, new capabilities, and you see incredible things happen. And in fact, these are some of the missions that are the most exciting for e-teamers because you frankly would not necessarily want to work with some of those like massive kind of mega corps. Mm -hmm. But you would really find it interesting to lend your skills and your attention for a year or two, if not longer, to iterate through products that have the type of impact that would be very rare to have at a startup. And in between those two extremes, you have a lot of growth stage companies that, mm -hmm. you know, what happens with growth stage companies and scallops is that you, you were good at doing one thing, you get funding for that to scale that, but you also need to you know, first mover advantage is a moat for just like five minutes these days because everything moves very fast. So you very quickly, you have to become multi-product companies and mm -hmm. you have to figure out how to expand and how to justify high violations, for example, if you a company that raised in the past couple of years. So you're many, many companies that we're, that we're helping with are companies that find themselves in almost an impossible kind of startup conundrum where mm -hmm. on one hand, like every company, efficiency has to increase, cost has to decrease, and, uh, and it's all about, you know, cost efficiency, essentially. On the other end, valuations are harder to justify. So you've got to build value quickly, high growth, mm -hmm. high margin type of products, better customer acquisition, et cetera. And that's what we help with a kind of 10x type of capabilities where you bring on a couple of really strong people that actually care about the particular thing that you're trying to solve to build new capabilities and get growth in what is very efficient and flexible. Right. So I'm curious on the talent side, like, what are you seeing there? Right. So it sounds like you have engineers, you know, PMs market, like it kind of runs the gamut. Like who are the types of people you're seeing who want to build on this platform and what do the engagements look like for them? Is this like, you know, a month or two, is it 18 months? Like what, what does, what does that range look like? You know, I think we're still discovering the type of people that join the A-Team network because there's been so much change in the market in the past few years from every, every COVID week right and, now. <laughs> Every week, right? It's like, yeah. you know, we raised our seed like two weeks later, COVID happened. And then it was great resignation and quite quitting and, and market pressure. And now actually we just published a, a report today on Fast Company talking about the great betrayal that when you think about it, so many people have mm -hmm. been laid off or their best friends been laid off maybe two or three times in about three years. That started with COVID when it first hit. You remember that time, May, mm -hmm. April, May 2020, where... We thought the world was ending for a second. So right. companies were like, oh, you know what? We have to let you go or furloughed or whatever. And then a month or two later, they were like, oh, sorry. Actually, the world is not ending. Can you please come back? People were like, wait a second. Like, you're supposed to care for me. Like, I'm giving you, like, there's this contract with companies, right? That I'll let you tell me what to do, what to work on, who to be with, right? Where to be. I give you all those rights and you give me stability in exchange, right? And a paycheck that I know I'll get, right? 
this is gone. Mm-hmm. Like this illusion of stability has been completely shattered. Yeah. So you're seeing all these new types of, of people that would never define themselves as freelancers or not even as contractors. They're like, look, I can't rely on just one employer. It's just not safe. Right. Like if I want to have stability, I need to diversify. And then you have more, more people that are thinking about the career portfolio kind of approach the, and to, and they realize that, you know, throughout COVID, a lot of people realize that life is short and therefore what you're doing really, really matters. That's what we're starting seeing a lot of the big tech people that have been like incredible minds that have been working on optimizing ad networks for years. They're like, is that really what I want to be doing? Because I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Right. Right. And sure. It's comfortable. It's great. But now I also see that I can get laid off any day. So maybe it's yeah. not that great. Maybe I better do something meaningful. So that's why we see all kinds of people from, you know, from independent contributors all the way to former C-level executives of Fortune 50 companies. Like it's mm-hmm. really a wide range. And you have the people that were the diehard freelancers, but I would say there's a minority that have been freelancing for a long time. I think the majority are people that are finally kind of breaking free to earn well, to work on things that are really interesting, to meet other people that they want to work with and the engagements to your question, they, they wouldn't be that short of like, you know, they, something that's too short that looks too much like a gig or like a task, we would not let in. So the whole platform, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, is curated, not just on the talent side, but also mm-hmm. on the company side, based on the missions that they bring onto the platform. And right. we see that as our role to create that kind of universe for the like small universe for the world's best builders, where they team up and do really meaningful things. So the engagement turns out like they go through iterations. So they typically like, you know, six to nine months would be the, the minimum goes some have been going on for two years. They're rather long term that the team can evolve based on different needs and expertise and so forth. Uh, I think people forget that teams are, are obviously dynamic organisms yeah. that adapt based on the needs and they can start very small with like, Hey, let's prototype bunch of stuff or let's unlock and block a particular thing to then being very big and split into different teams and so forth. Yeah. That's great. So do you see that the people working are always working full time throughout the contract? Is it kind of a mix? Uh, you said it's dynamic, right? So does that mean you're adding or moving people and you're also like, Hey, maybe we only need a developer half time for this. And then, okay, now we need a marketer or something like that. Does it kind of shift in that way as well? Yeah, very much. So I think a lot of companies are also finding new ways to use 18 that even we didn't think about, like you've got companies that have red teams. So they have a team that's essentially competing with themselves in a new way, which is like fascinating to see. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought of that. You have teams that are piloting different potential future features and then implementing them with the, on the, with the core team, you know, that's in the consumer world. You have that a lot. You have like data team that sometimes have, there's a big lift and then it's small. It's more like maintenance mm-hmm. of, you know, the data sets and, and the structures and the ETLs and so, stuff like that. You've got all kinds of different formats. Uh, sometimes we'd even recommend to have two part-time people versus one full-time, even if you mm-hmm. could have one full-time, right. simply because it helps you with optionality. Right? Uh, it also helps you with in terms of when you, you get to peaks where you want to, you know, have more capacity as a yep. burst. And also because of the way a team is designed. So a team is not designed with, this is the team and that's it. It actually is designed to answer to the requirements in a very specific way, a very tailored way. Mm-hmm. So that means that you can start, as I said, small and we would encourage you to do that like start with a couple of engineers that right. are really care about what you're solving maybe you have a performance problem with this product that's shipping but then from there you can easily very easily scale the team why because they're all connected to that team graph so 
you can expand the team in a way that every new person hits the ground running because they are likely to be working well with the people that are currently there mm-hmm. or that they actually worked with them before. So they have that common language and ability to, to do more with less, essentially, and faster. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if I could kind of sort of summarize, you know, it's I feel like kind of the freelance consulting world there's there's been a lot of these gig marketplaces and and that's fine that that fits a certain niche right like i've i've gotten like podcast editing through upwork and it's really cheap but like that's like a hey i need someone for like two hours kind of thing it seems like um you're kind of taking that another layer of abstraction higher right you're going for the teams adding value in that way and i think that's something i've actually seen you know i've been talking to a lot of people as i've been working on this newsletter and podcasts is yes there is definitely a need for like hey i just need someone to work on this one thing and I know someone in my network and I'm going to hire them. But it seems like as kind of more people want to turn to freelancing consulting, this sort of value added kind of other kind of ecosystem around it that you can provide to companies is becoming uh, more appealing. It sounds like that's kind of what you guys are coming uh, coming to as well. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, think about it this way. Like we're essentially building the place that we want to be a part of. Like mm-hmm. if we were not, you know, we have the build team, which are the A teams building A team. If we were not... On the build team, building a team would be on a team doing missions. Or we'd be mm-hmm. using a teams to build our next company. It's like that's the way we think about it. And I don't want to do gigs. Like I don't know about you. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to do gigs. Like I like building big things that are that are impactful. Like I get excited about this. I get excited about the fact that we have an a team that's like reinventing education at a massive scale with an incumbent, and that we have a team that's that have helped post build Twitter competitor because there should be more options to having an A team that has a bunch of A teams actually that have been working on the software that helps the manufacturing of the COVID-19 vaccine. Like I think it's like, it's amazing. So that we're trying to build the type of, the type of opportunities that we want to be a part of. In a way, we try to build the type of decentralized company that we want to be a part of that mm. gives you your freedom and your ability to choose what you work on, what you work with, right. to opt in, opt out for times. And that's totally fine. You know, maybe you want to go full-time with other companies and we also support that. Totally great. But you're part of that network for the world's best product builders. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we want to be. And, uh, and that's what we enable. So and it's interesting. We're seeing more and more people wanting to do that. And in a way, it's really beneficial for companies as well because companies cannot, like what companies realize with every new disruption and market pressure is that your assets are also your liability. Mm-hmm. So like having the biggest headcount possible, it's like right. some, something that <laughs> no one wants now. Right? In yeah. the past, it was very different. Right? It, was your, it was your pride. Right? What is the first question you ask people? It's like, oh, how many employees do you have? Mm-hmm. That's almost like right? That's the way to size you up and level you up. But in a way, like, the more people you have on your headcount as, as full-time employees, like, the slower it will be for you to adapt, the more expensive it will be if you have to make changes. Every layoffs, when you've miscalculated, misprojected, the world surprise you yet again. It's a cultural damage. It's an emotional damage. And you're actually like, sometimes ruining people's lives where you took actual responsibility versus the more dynamic and hybrid and pixelated workforce where, okay, you have core teams and you have leaders that are incentivized for the very long term and all of that, great. You can have a hybrid with A-teamers and part-time people that are coming in. They may be full-time for a time even, right? With the full-time employees in a way that, you know, that's essentially how we build our company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when the first time we got together for the first time, we did this like summit in Portugal. It was in May of last year, right before coming out of stealth. No one, we couldn't tell like who was part-time and who was full-time mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's, if you're W2, W9, like in the US, mm-hmm. like who cares? Like how much are you contributing to the, the mission of your team? 
That's mm-hmm. the question. That's the right. thing that truly matters. Yeah. And, and when you're not in office, you can't tell how long their butts have been in the seats, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if anything, it's a little bit more even cutthroat in some way, because like here you really have to deliver value. Yeah. This is, you know, this is the type of people that are a little bit more entrepreneurial that can rely on themselves a little bit because it's still, you know, new and yeah, definitely. And in a way like people are eager to provide a lot of value um, and transparency around that value very, very quickly and early into the relationships. Yeah. I think you touched on a few things that I've actually been saying as well, sort of in a different form, but just this idea of like a more hybrid workforce, like for myself, I, I graduated in 2012 from college, right? And I've been part of the fortunate cohort of people who've rode a 10 year bull market. We've like never like, like layoff, what's a layoff? And you just kind of assume those jobs are there. And I think part of that too, is like tech companies have gotten used to, like you said, you just grow as fast as you can. You do every single thing in house. And there's almost sort of this like snobbery, I don't know, maybe not snobbery, but just like, oh, like we'll do everything ourselves. And like, even a contractor is sort of like a bad word almost. But I think, you know, maybe one, uh, obviously like with sympathies to people who are laid off, maybe one upside of kind of this change in, in kind of the market is like, we're going back towards value and it doesn't have to be, you need a full-time employee. And there's going to be a mix of these people as long as they can deliver value and work together well, that's that's not a bad thing, I don't think. So I, I think we're definitely going to see more of that shift. I would I would recommend I'll send you after this the the Great Betrayal link that post that uh, that was shared on Fast Company today. Like it shows a bunch of stats that we've gathered from from the recent layoffs, and it's kind of crazy, right? It's like seventy five percent from the recent waves of layoff of, of of people said that they're looking at contracting work mm-hmm. at contract work. And 66 of them are like, okay, we lost trust. We just lost trust in the stability mm-hmm. of full-time employment. Right. Right. And, and that makes sense. There's another study from McKinsey that shows that a third of highly skilled professionals earning over $150,000 a year are doing contract work. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this thing is here. In a way, it's happening even faster than, than we expected. Mm-hmm. So, and think about a full-time employee today. Like you're full-time employee, employed at a company. You've been there for years. You're good. You're generating revenue, all of that. Great. You obviously could be let off tomorrow. Yeah. And maybe that there's nothing you can do about it. Like you, most people do not have that transparency. I mean, even founders and executives don't necessarily even know how to look at the numbers properly and are kind of by design over optimistic, but the market is not looking like it's resolving itself and everything's going to be amazing next week, right? Like this is going to be a hard year for a lot of companies. And we haven't even seen the companies run out of money just yet because they've raised, you know, a year or two ago and now they're going to start running out of money. So if you're full-time employed right now, like you could be let off tomorrow. And I think people realize that. So they're like, wait a second, I'd rather take my destiny in my own hands, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see that being normalized. And, and to your point about in-house, et cetera, I think what remote, the, the push into remote showed us is something quite interesting that it's less about how many days in the office and all of that. Like, sure, we have to resolve a lot of these questions, but it's mostly a question of what are the four walls of your company? Like what defines the inside the company and outside mm-hmm. the company? And I think the future of companies looks much more like networks and communities mm-hmm. than it look like four-walled environment. Right. Large companies know that, I've, I've known that for a while. Like the percentage of contingent workforce in Fortune 500, it's like if you don't have 30, 40% of your workforce, like it would be odd. Mm-hmm. For startups, it's a little bit different. You're right at there's that point, even though we've been used to, to working with contractors with particular skill set for a very long time. So the question is, like, if you focus on teams, in particular at a time where, like you said, you go towards value, I think more and more companies are realizing that they cannot think in terms of headcount and departments mm-hmm. anymore. It's right. expensive, it's slow, and it exactly puts you in the position where you have to do layoffs every time you miscalculate it. 
Yep. So instead of thinking in terms of headcount spreadsheets of like, oh, I need the engineer number 164. And also, by the way, great engineer does not want to be engineer number 164 <laughs> anything, right? Yeah. In any market. So instead, they're asking, okay, what are the outcomes they need to drive? And therefore, the question becomes, what is the team to drive that outcome? Right. Do I have it? Yes or no? The W2 or W9 of this is like irrelevant. It's right. like so secondary. I, I, yeah, I love that question because I think I posed a similar one. Uh, you know, just as I've been writing about like, you know, when people start startups, right? It's like, it's not just like what's product market fit. I, I talk about what's product market founder fit or product market founder and funding fit, right? Like people don't ask some of these preliminary oh, questions. And I think to exactly to what you're saying about, okay, we need to do X. What's the best way to get there? And the default was always, we just got to hire more people and just do it. Instead of thinking, well, it's, are even the best people to do this even available full-time? Because I think that's another thing that companies a lot of times don't think like the best people are sometimes already employed or they don't want to go work full-time for your company, you know, and that doesn't necessarily even say anything about your ability to recruit. It's just life circumstance, yeah. situation, whatever, but maybe that's the person who can help you kind of get over, over that hump. I totally agree with you. And I think there's even more to that challenge. Like if you talk about early stage startups, like very early stage, we talk a lot about lean startup, et cetera. Mm -hmm. One could argue that there's one thing you cannot fail at, and that's the early team. Because mm -hmm. if you fail at that, hire the wrong people, you're going to run out of money before you actually make the decision of letting them go, et cetera, particularly as a young, young team. So you know, when I think about it, the way, the way I started a team, I was not ready to hire anyone full time, not ready at all. Even mm -hmm. if I could, and we had raised, you know, seed money and so forth, like, hey, let's check this out, let's figure out, let's fine tune the team, even figure out what team you need is part of the experimentation. Mm -hmm. Because when you bring someone full time, it's a different type of responsibility, and a different type of message, even though contractually, it's just like contractors, essentially, like, you, okay, you have to pay more to let go of people. And there's like, uh, all kinds of different considerations. But most relationships are of employment or at will relationships. Right. So it's like, there's also this kind of thinking that when you hire someone full time, it's forever. It's mm -hmm. contractually absolutely not forever. Like you yeah. can literally get up and leave. But so that's problem number one. Problem number two is, you know, we often say at early stage startups, like I need, I bring the best people. You're absolutely not bringing the best people. You bring the generalist that you can afford <laughs> <laughs> because the best people are incredibly expensive and you're not going to bring like a 500K a year person to join your, your five people company. There's just no yeah. way. Also, that person will not join. So we had, you know, we had similar problems early on. We were like, okay, we're building the team graph and the team engine. There's a lot of work there. We need machine learning expertise, et cetera. We have no data when we get started, right? Like any yeah. startup, we have no data. We're not going to convince, you know, like a, a PhD in machine learning to join us full-time day one. But the problem is interesting. So we actually brought an A-teamer. Sammy's Max is amazing. He'd been working with us, you know, on a contractual basis for, for a while as an A-teamer. And then we started having data. A year or two later, we're like, Oh, now we can really see how we could build this thing. And yes, it's a problem that very few people have solved, if at all. And then it's like, okay, I want to join four times so that I can bring my own A team. And now it has like a five, six people team, that's machine learning and data science, which is all A teamers or A teamers that went full time. Mm -hmm. Like that, the, that is the way, in my opinion, that you bring the best people in the world to work with you. Yeah. And actually do that. Yeah, I love that because I, I think you see. It, when it happens in kind of the more you know traditional way too, right? Like you try to find that one person who's the hub of the network who'll bring the rest of their network that's really good, right? Um, and I think the way companies will win out now is if they can really give a more flexible working arrangement because that's what people are really wanting, right? That flexibility to kind of choose their own destiny. So yeah, that's a good um, point. And going, I wouldn't say going past also the, the one network of the original team because mm -hmm. 
yes, referrals are really powerful and really meaningful, but so is diversity. Mm-hmm. And I mean diversity in the broader sense of the term. You know, I mentioned when I met our, our team essentially for the first time in person, we were around 50 at the time. And you see people from 15 countries. Yeah. They all speak different languages and look differently and have different you know, vantage point on the world and perspectives and all of that. But you know what? They have the same values. Like it was amazing. We felt like we were so close to one another, mm-hmm. even though we come from different cultures. And that level of diversity, I realized, is something I've never experienced in an early stage startup. And I've had a chance to be involved with a bunch as an investor, as a founder, whatever. This is the most diversity I've ever seen. Diversity from, you know, really broad sense of the term. And I realized it's actually fascinating because you do a brainstorm like this and you hear perspectives and ways of doing things that I would never have thought of. Yeah, that's great. So, Rafa, I know uh, I just want to respect your time here. So um, any kind of parting advice you'd give to, let's say, a company considering using a team or kind of non-traditional forms of hire, whether a team or not. And also for people, you know, who might want to give something like a team a try any advice for them and kind of parting thoughts. Sure. I think for companies, it's absolute necessity to figure out how to be more, to build new muscles into the company, to be, to do more with less, to create more efficiency, more flexibility, but also to inject the kind of 10 X type of capabilities to your existing team so that you can go much further, much faster, justify valuation, grow valuation, find new ways of doing things. You could be working tomorrow with some of the best product builders on the planet that could team up with your teams. Mm-hmm. And the ones that choose to assemble with you because they care about what you're trying to solve. And to have that with the level of flexibility and efficiency that you otherwise would not have, please prevent the next layoff from happening. <laughs> as you know, it's damaging. So that's what I would say to companies. On the A-teamer side, I would be like, I would say, come come apply to the network, mention the, this podcast, we'll, we'll, you'll jump to priority queue, even though we do have quite a wait list, uh, actually on both sides, companies as well. But we're here to build, to kind of shape the future of work that we want to be a part of. We do not have all the answers. There's still a lot of quirks, a lot of things. We literally just did a, a decentralized town hall last week where we showed a roadmap like every year and we get feedback on what we should be building and how we're building it. And we work a lot with, with the community to figure this out. And, you know, we have a very clear promise. We have the promise to builders, to empower builders, to escape rigid structures, to team up with their favorite people, to do the best work of their career, to have the support of a curated community. And, and we're going to continue on that promise and work with everyone on our network to make that happen. So, yeah, join.a.team, I think, is the link. But otherwise, just go to a.team, mention the referral, this podcast, and... and um, yeah, thank you for a great conversation. Really appreciate the questions. Yeah, thank you so much, Rafael. You know, I'm I'm a big fan, obviously, of anything that's kind of pushing forward non-traditional forms of work, um, thinking a little bit outside the box, right? We, we're not in the industrial revolution anymore. There should be newer ways to work. So uh, I'm a big fan. Thanks again, and best of luck with everything on A-Team. Thank you so much.